You're listening to the Seaworthy Podcast, Episode 10, Raising Capital for the First Time. Seaworthy is a podcast about building successful software. Today, we're talking about going from bootstrapping products to the experience of raising a seed round with Drew Wilson of Plasso. excited to have Drew Wilson on the show with me today. Drew is a designer, developer, and maker, shipping about 40 products into the wild. He's currently the founder and CEO of Plasso, a company building the future of e-commerce. Welcome to Seaworthy, Drew. Thanks for coming on the show today. How are you doing? Hey, man. Doing good. Thanks for having me. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming. Um, so you have a big history of shipping software, Forty, about 40 products. We were talking about this uh, just before the show here, and you always think it's around 20. What? 37 that are in the wild that you've actually, I guess, published. Yeah, I've literally ne- never counted, so that's why yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I count 37 and then, you know, five or 10 that you're working on at any given time, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and how you got started in design, development, and business? Yeah, so um, for design, like uh, back, I think – Whenever Photoshop 2 was around is when I first started on Photoshop. And before that, I was doing, as a kid, I was like super into art. So I was doing like Conti crayon drawings, paintings, acrylics, that kind of stuff. Um, and then my dad, for his job, um, he used Photoshop when it was really early. And so I kind of got exposed to that early. He bought the very first digital camera ever made uh, that was publicly available. Wow. And so we got to take pictures with that. Um, so that was super fun. And bringing those into Photoshop he kind of showed us how you could do stuff. And that was before layers were introduced in Photoshop. So like any edits you made were like permanent. <laughs> there was no layers, <laughs> which like is, paint. yeah. So it was harder to work with. Um, but uh, I didn't really know like what design was or anything at that time. I was just having fun with, you know, making things in Photoshop. Um, so when I got a little older and I, did, I was exposed to what design was, um, it was pretty natural for me to hop into Photoshop and start making stuff. Um, and that progressed into web stuff because in 1996, I made my first website for myself, um, just dink around with HTML. Um, and I remember like the first time I was exposed to like web design and like understood what it was, was probably um, the Microsoft website in like, I guess it would have been like 96, 97 around there. Um, and I saw they had a sidebar and they had a header and in between like where they meet instead of being like square there was like a rounded corner and i was like oh. how in the world did they do that so <laughs> what like, is this yeah i was like how what is it and so i inspected you know that's like the first time i like seriously viewed source to see what was going on how they did that um yeah and so then i, I just kept making you know websites did print design stuff like that and then in 2002 i finally bit the bullet and was like fine i'll teach myself how to code and never wanted to um, I was like, oh, I don't want to be like staring at code that's so nerdy and boring. Um, but I taught it. I taught it to myself just because I didn't know anybody who who was a developer, and I didn't have any money to pay anyone. And I had all these designs that I really wanted to like make interactive, you know, beyond just HTML. And so I I, I started started learning it, um, and it was uh, super fun. I mean, I absolutely love development now. So um, I've been been doing a lot of different kinds recently um moving from what i started with was just php into uh, javascript and um you know node development and also ios and mac development as well yeah so going back to what you said about rounded corners i mean back in the day i think you had to do it with what uh gifs (laughs) yeah well yeah yeah you'd have to just put in an image um and, uh, you know, there wasn't any transparency in images back then. So you just, uh, well, there, there was gifts, but they were like, uh, they were really terrible. So they couldn't do shadows or anything, just like gifts are now. Like if you try to do transparency, it's no good. Yep. Um, so you just usually you just do the, in Photoshop, you just set the background color of the, the image to be whatever it is going to be on the website. Um, and you just use tables. And in that little <laughs> corner there, you put a square image that looks rounded. Yeah. Sleight of hand. Yes. Yeah. So um, thanks for that background on kind of how you got started. Obviously, that was 
what, 20 years ago now, 1996? <laughs> um, is that 20 years? Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Uh, what do you like to do outside of work? Um, I, I, I would say that I like to surf, but that would be kind of lying. I mean, I like to surf, but, uh, the last time I went was like a month and a half ago. And, um, I think this calendar year that I've only gone out like three times, but I do like to do that. It's just, I don't really have any time for it. I mean, I got kids, so that's what I like doing is if I'm not at work, I'm hanging out with my kids. So we go do a lot of stuff around here. Carlsbad, there's a lot of stuff to do. Um, and being a dad of three little kids, six and four and two, uh, it's, uh, makes it difficult to, to have time to do anything else, you know, other than hang out with them. So, right. Yeah. And, and speaking about the kids and your family and stuff, you, you guys recently traveled around the country for a year in an RV. Was that, uh, how was that experience? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was cool, man. It was like totally on a whim. We, uh, we had just moved from here in Southern California up to Washington state, um, where we were, my wife and I are both from. Um, and we quickly realized that, you know what, um, it's not for us. So <laughs> six months into our one year lease, we decided uh, on a car trip. It's like, hey, let's just RV the country. So we just did it. We sold everything and got an RV and, and started RVing the country, which was super cool. We didn't have any intention of like seeing every state or anything like that. We were just going to circle the country. And mm -hmm. we didn't know exactly how long we would do it. We figured maybe like six months or something, but ended up being almost a full year. And we ended up staying in every state. Um, in the lower 48, obviously. Uh, so it was it was amazing. It was such a fun trip. And yeah, we took our three kids with us. So we had a big 41-foot fifth wheel that we hooked into the back of our huge F-350. And <laughs> the RV had two bedrooms and two bathrooms. It was crazy. It Jeez. was cool. Yeah, that sounds cool. So did you end up hitting every state? Yeah, yeah. We stayed continental. in. Yep, we stayed in. There's only two states that we stayed just one night in. Every other state we stayed longer. Um, and that was... Delaware and West Virginia, we only uh, were able to stay one night in, but the rest of them, um, we stayed longer in, which is cool. So you came to Wisconsin. Where'd you guys end up staying? Um, we stayed on a super cool river, and I can't remember <laughs> the name of the river <laughs> because it was one of a bajillion that we stayed on. <laughs> but um, it was it was it was a really cool place. Uh, it, that whole area up there, you know, it's just like there's so much open space. And so um, the camp, the campground, I guess, that we stayed at was just massive open fields of grass. And um, we like the RV spots were like right on the grass and everything. And it was cool. Yeah, that's cool. And so while you were doing this, you were working remotely. I, I remember seeing a, a picture of your iMac bolted down so it didn't go anywhere. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The, uh, I, I was, I lucked out. Um, we got the fifth wheel that we got for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, it's like one tenth of the price of an RV. Um, two, it's safer because your kids are riding up in the truck with you, not, you know, seat belted in quotes into, uh, one of the seats because the seat belts in RVs aren't actually attached to anything other than they're wood screwed into the floor. Jeez. So they're not, they're not real. They're just pretend. Um, <laughs> So that's another reason. And then also um, uh, it had an office in the main bedroom. And mm. by office, I mean it had a desk. And by desk, I mean it had a little small <laughs> piece of wood that had an area for your legs to go underneath. Uh, and it was literally as wide as my iMac, uh, oh, like almost to the millimeter. So I, I just like squeezed it in there. And the leg space was a joke. You know, you could barely get your legs under it. But it was... Um, the only, literally the only RV I could have bought that had that and also uh, a separate bedroom. So worked out. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Did you end up doing a lot of working from the road? I imagine driving around that. No, you know, you know I, th I thought of like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do this RV trip and uh, get rid of all my other products and just focus on Plasso. And, um, and uh, yeah, like f for some reason it didn't cross my mind that traveling itself is like a full-time job. And then traveling with kids is like even more so, you know, because you're like literally traveling. You're in the car driving all the time, especially if you're seeing every state in America. Um, and so there's leaves literally no time for anything else. Um, so, yeah, I, I barely worked on the on the trip, which was not my intention. Um, so it wasn't 
that aspect was not so great uh, because um, at that point I still needed to work in order to make money. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it, I nuked my bank account basically. Oh, I <laughs> for a year, and then you know maybe. I wonder how it, the dynamic is with your kids. You know, they expect you to <laughs> spend a lot more time with them, you know, than you would at home. Yeah, um, no, I mean, it, it was so back. great. Yeah, yeah, no, it was so great. Like, kids are so adaptable. Like, whatever you do is normal to them. So they weren't like, like, hey, when are we going to live in a house? You know what I mean? Like, it was just normal <laughs> yeah. for them to be in the RV. Um, and, and yeah, it, it was super cool. Like, I've always worked from home and always spent a lot of time with my kids. Um, and uh, coming back from the RV trip, I mean, that was the case. I mean, we were up in Washington for a little while after, and then we moved to San Francisco for six months after that. Um, and then even when I moved back here for a few months, I was still uh, working at a, uh, my house until I got an office here um, separate for Plasso. Um, so now I work out of the office, which is really actually the first time I've ever not worked from home right. my entire life. Um, so... Uh, for the kids, it was a bit of an adjustment, but it's really not so bad because I'm decently close to my house, and um, and some days I still you know work from home with the kids and everything. It, it works out great. It's actually I never wanted to you know work away from home because I want to be around my kids, but it works out good for my wife that I'm not there because then she doesn't have to worry about the kids like uh, knocking on my door or coming in, <laughs> right. that kind of thing. So interrupting yeah that's tough yeah. i you know i know quite a few people who work from home a lot and you know with kids yeah <laughs> makes you feel bad that hey dad can we go play you know yeah 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 well, they get later, used to it after a while they, yeah they they get used to it after i mean they might if you're starting to work from home like from being in an office or something they'll probably ask you that but after like probably a few weeks they understand the concept of you're at work and right that kind of thing so yeah it's, it's not that bad yeah. So you've built almost 40 products, right? So which one, you mentioned Plasso kind of while you were on the road, but which one's been your, your favorite so far to build? I mean, I know there's a lot. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> honestly, I I would say Plasso um, just because uh, it was a display of skill. And by that, I mean Plasso is doing well not because of luck, uh, whereas, like for instance, my icons that I launched previously, Pictos, they did really well in the literal sense of the term overnight success um, and totally changed the trajectory of my career. Uh, but that was right place at right time kind of thing. Like I did right. not know that you know icons were this underserved market and there was literally nothing out there. I just happened to launch my icons when literally nothing else was out there. And nowadays, like the the race to the bottom on pricing icons is since passed and now everything you can get the best icons for free sure. um, but when I launched them that was absolutely not the case um, you could not find any icons and so I happened to be in the right place at the right time whereas with this e-commerce platform um, this is actually my third attempt at doing e-commerce and um, each time a little different and so this is more uh, a, a conscious effort to make something work mm. um, so in that sense it's a lot more fulfilling um, because it's like something you made work, you know what I mean? Like right. So, yeah, yeah, that's cool. So, once you uh, tell us a little bit about Plasso and and what it is. Yeah, Plasso is an e-commerce platform. Uh, the main thing that we're doing right now that uh, really no one else is is we're enabling you to create a subscription or membership uh, business without any development or technical knowledge needed. So what that means is. Uh, you can sign up on Plasso, um, and after a few clicks and or taps, um, you can have a subscription business up and running. So you could start charging people on a recurring basis, like every month or every year or every two weeks, whatever you want it to be, um, all without having to do anything other than click a few buttons. Um, and SaaS or recurring revenue is is uh, a a very smart business to get into, um, mm -hmm. and so. Uh, it works out really great for our customers um, and great for us to, yeah, because there's really no one else doing this right now. If you look at the big uh, e-commerce players, Squarespace, uh, Square, um, Shopify, BigCommerce, none of them have any recurring payments. So by us doing it, um, we're coming into a completely unserved market 
um, mm -hmm. which is great for us. I mean, we do all the other e-commerce stuff as well, but we're really pushing the um, subscription aspect to our business just because that's what we're doing different. Right. So is that, you know, is it like products like box services that are coming every month or is it more, you mentioned SaaS, or is it a good mix of both? It's a mix of a lot of stuff, really. Um, there are a lot of subscription boxes, um, like, for instance, Art Snacks, one of our customers, artsnacks.co. Um, you can sign up with them uh, via Plasso, and they will send you a box of high-quality art supplies every month, and you don't know what you're getting until it arrives. Um, so there's And there's some organic coffee companies doing the same thing using Plasso. Um, and a handful of other subscription box companies. There's also people who are using it to handle their membership payments for like gyms and co-working spaces. As a matter of fact, mm -hmm. the co-working space directly below our offices, uh, brand new here to Carlsbad, called Common Grounds, they're using Plasso to power all their payments. And they're expanding nationally, so um, Plasso will go with them um, as they expand, which is super cool. Yeah, and then awesome. there's... Yeah, and then there's people doing it to some people sell advice on subscription. There's customers that have like a luxury taxi cab service uh, mm -hmm. that they they use Plasso to handle their building. Um, there's a there's a getaway company, kind of like a like a, a curated Airbnb kind of thing um, for tiny houses, uh, and they use Plasso to handle their building. So a lot of different companies doing cool stuff. And what's great about Plasso is we're kind of like back in the day when Shopify came about, they enabled like new business because before in order to, to accept payments online you had to submit like or or put up a ton of upfront cash to have someone build this for you yeah. and Shopify made it so that way you could just try it out with no upfront cost and no one's really done that for subscriptions yet so that's what we're doing um, you don't have to hire someone and pay someone to build out a system just to see if your idea works you can just uh, sign up with Plasso and with no upfront cost at all try it out and see if your business works. So we're enabling new businesses and people with ideas can now like realize those things really easily. For sure. Yeah, that mitigates a ton of the risk. I mean, you know, using a merchant account or authorized.net back in the day, you're paying thousands of dollars just to get something going. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. So you guys recently relaunched the whole platform. Um, new design, lots of new features. I, I noticed the different verticals in there. You know, how was the past, I think it's been one or two weeks uh, since the new launch. How's that gone for you guys? Yeah, it's been um, a week today, I think, right? Or maybe a week t tomorrow will have been a week. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's been super great, super fantastic. Got a lot of new people signing up. Um, the main thing that I'm most excited about is that uh, before, up until now, um, I had left the original design that I launched with uh, Plasso up. And so it didn't really describe what Plasso even did that well. And it was just a one pager. Um, and now like the marketing site is like really dialed in as far as like uh, properly showing what we offer and the different verticals and how each different uh, product can serve different markets, that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. it's so much better for me to be able to tell people what Plasso does and show them what it does just by pointing to the website, whereas before I never had that. So <laughs> that's, that's super cool. Um, and there's a ton of work still to be done there. Um, we spent a lot of time working on some videos. One of them was launched with the site, and we have a handful more that we're going to be rolling out um, every uh, every month or so. And um, So there's a lot, of, a lot of cool stuff we're working on on the marketing stuff, um, that is something that we never had before. So I'm um, mm -hmm. super excited to get into that aspect. Um, we're still doing a ton of stuff on the product side, product development, but um, the marketing aspect of the business is something that wasn't there before. So, Yeah. Yeah, if I remember, you know, the landing page from before was from what, Spacebox, was it? Uh, well, it was different than Spacebox, but yeah. It, Pretty I mean, similar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um yeah, well, it's great to hear that everything's going well and, and things are going good. We're, so can, kind of stepping back to it, you mentioned that this is like really the third try or the you know the third at-bat for this e-commerce um, platform. Can you talk a little bit about where you got the idea and kind of the progression from when you started it to now? Yeah, so um, my first uh, attempt, I guess I'll say, was with a, a product called Quixly. And I built Quixly... Uh, in 2009, and I think I launched it in 2010, or maybe I launched it in 2009, I can't remember. Um, but that was, quickly. I was building 
as a way to soothe my soul from what I had just gone through with a product before that called Firerift, which I spent two years in a code cave working mm -hmm. on this CMS, front-end CMS, like wrote one of the first JSON templators, all this kind of crazy crap. And it was just way too futuristic and no one knew what the crap was going on with it. And so it did not sell. And it was horrible failure. And I had like wrapped my entire uh, life up into this thing and all my money and all my furniture I sold and everything. So it, it was not it was not so fun coming off of that. And then um, so I was like, okay, I just got to build something quickly uh, and just get it out there. Um, and so uh, digital delivery was underserved and no one was really doing anything. There was a company called eJunkie, which looked like it's from the 90s and it's, mm -hmm. there wasn't really anything there. Um, and so I was like, sweet, let's do that. I also am building these icons. It'll be great to sell these icons with this. Um, and so I built a digital delivery platform called Quixly, which allowed you to sell your digital goods like files. Um, and it was built on PayPal and Google Wallet because Stripe didn't exist at the time. And uh, the platform did all right. There was people that signed up, but it didn't really make any money. Um, however, it enabled me to make a ton of money because I was selling my Pictos icons, which did super well, selling right. it through Quixly. Um, but uh, Quixly, the business model there never worked because it was built on the old school way of doing things, like based on how much storage you're using and file mm -hmm. transfers and all that kind of stuff, and that just doesn't work out. So uh, that never really went anywhere as a platform. Um, and then I ran that until like 2012, and I shut it down after I made um, after I made Spacebox. So uh, this is my second uh, attempt at e-commerce, and Stripe had come out. Really, I think they launched in 2010, but they didn't really come out until 2011 um, when they actually made it like publicly available to anyone. Mm -hmm. And I was on somehow I got on their early beta list. I can't remember why. Oh yeah, they Patrick had reached out to me about doing design for the company, um, mm -hmm. and uh, I said no. And uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm working on this Quixly thing. Yeah, and so he put me on their their beta list, so I got to try out Stripe. Uh, actually, the, for the um, we were going to put it, build it into Quixly. We were thinking about because I was still running that, um, but ended up just like letting it sit there for a while. And I was like, you know what? Stripe needs a human interface. It's a rad API, but it needs like a human interface, um, so anyone can use it. And so I was like, I'm going to build something. Just a quick like, just a quick little product so that way people can just sign up, attach their Stripe account, and then like accept payments, and they don't have to build anything. Mm -hmm. um, and I asked my son, like, hey, what should, what should daddy name his new app? And he's like, Spacebox. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> so at the, he was two at the time, so he named, he named it. Um, yeah, so I launched Spacebox, which was like a human interface for Stripe to quickly and easily accept payments with your Stripe account. Um, and then that evolved, and people liked it, and I started adding more and more features. And of course, since I had done Quixly, I added the whole digital delivery aspect was in there already. Um, and... We had, Spacebox was essentially what Plasso's Pay Me page or Pay Me product is now, where mm -hmm. you just you can go to you used to be able to go to Spacebox slash your email address, and there's a little page in it, and just go there and pay you. And so that still exists in Plasso today, um, but it's from way back then. Uh, but Spacebox never really did that well. Also, uh, the business models did not work. I, I it was like a freemium model, so you could sign up for free, and you could add up to two spaces and spaces were like product pages mm -hmm. um, so this is separate from like your pay me page this is like if you have a product you want to sell you could add up to two spaces for free if you want to add more you pay x amount of dollars per month um but that didn't really work because people would just go sign up for two accounts um you know to get by that that kind of did thing did you see a lot of that um i didn't really monitor it too well but uh i know there are people doing that um and then yeah just the business model in general freemium just didn't really work for um, e-commerce because uh, most people aren't going to sell very much and if you're not if you're not taking anything from them you're not going to be making anything from most of your users um, right. so I I, did, I really liked the aspect of e-commerce and payments I always have and so I wanted to continue with Spacebox but I needed like a new business model I needed to change that so I changed it all um, and relaunched and redeveloped everything from scratch um, and designed the whole new interface, all that jazz, and relaunched as Plasso. Um, and that was in, uh, I think, like May of 2014. So I relaunched as Plasso, and then the business model, the new one, was working. And um, uh, 
and I started making money off the platform, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Uh, and right when it started getting going, it was also the time that we had kind of uprooted and moved it to Washington, and then we decided to do the RV trip, um, which is, I thought I was going to be able to hunker down and, and like really work on Plasto, but that ended up not being the case. So when I got back, um, I uh, decided to move to San Francisco and and uh, and raise money for Plasto so I could build a team around it because it started getting to the point where it was doing really well, but as a consequence of that, um, there was a lot of... Um, not necessarily like customer support as in emails. I mean, there's a lot of that to answer, but more like uh, customers need this, that, or the other feature right. uh, to work better. And so all my time was being spent on like uh, changing features or making things slightly better or fixing bugs, that kind of stuff. And I didn't really have any time to spend on progressing the platform or do any marketing marketing whatsoever um, or any of the stuff you need to do to, in order to make a business uh, a business. So um, I was like, you know, I need some help and I can either try to grow this organically and just like bring on one person part time to help me out with stuff and hopefully slowly, slowly grow. Or I can just take advantage of the industry that we're in, go to San Francisco and raise some money and build a team and just, you know, go all out and do this way faster. Um, And I had done bootstrapping my entire career. Mm -hmm. And so I know how that game is. Um, And I think for this platform, it, because of what what I was doing and the, I guess the urgency of it, like I definitely needed to have a team um, helping me right away. And raising money sure. was the best way to do that. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like it. You know, with uh, with the market and who your customers are, and they're not tech savvy, that you know things can always be improved and streamlined. Um, just going back to you know you pivoting from. Um, you know, quickly to Spacebox, and and now you're at Plasto as kind of the the third life of um, this e-commerce solution. Do you think the biggest changes in um, what you guys have done, the biggest pivots, have all been focused around that business model, or were there any kind of key elements you think that helped um, you know take it to the next level with each iteration or each new launch? Yeah. So. Um... When I launched Spacebox, it was completely from scratch. It didn't have any of Quixly's actual code base or anything. And it was all just me, 100%. Um, and I started adding features based on what I thought would be cool and mainly what people were asking for, um, which is kind of different because most of my other products that I built, I built a tool or something for myself the way I wanted it to be, whereas Spacebox, I don't need a human interface for Stripe. I'm a developer. I can make my own way. But I wanted other people to have a way to do it. So um, even though I myself would use Spacebox, and I did, I used it for uh, Pictos, um, it wasn't something that I needed. Uh, so it was a little different in that sense where I'm building something for the people with with Spacebox. Right. Um, and when I relaunched this Plasto, it was 100% me again just doing everything. And so... Um, the few things that I could change and I could add, uh, like I said, were all just based on like what customers were were wanting. Um, I have grand visions for the platform and things I wanted to add, but um, all those things would take were taking a long time because of all the uh, support stuff I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I guess as far as like how I was coming up with new features and everything, um, a lot of it for Spacebox and for Plasto was was based on customer feedback and and also you know things that I wanted to see in there personally but right yeah yeah so just using customers to kind of guide where it goes and you know simplifying some processes that might have been more difficult to them than yeah and I, I never like I never even had like a complete like I knew I wanted to be like the place for people to go to start a business online but mm-hmm. I didn't really know what that meant until I went through the process of raising money right when I did that it like crystal clarifies your like business model and your path like to get to where you want to go um, because you have to say it so many times with different people in different ways right. and everyone wants to hear it a different way and so you work through that like for months you know every day you're working through that for months so you like you really get to know like your different options and and wait different ways different scenarios so um 
just by going through that you know exercise of raising money uh, it clarifies so much and um, like even if I wasn't going to raise money in the future I would like raise money or at least try to just so I can get that clarity mm -hmm. uh, in vision um, it's it's so much different than like bootstrapping something uh, it's it's pretty cool yeah well, and it's so much about the messaging, too, because yeah. a lot of people are only going to, you know, they're not going to know anything about you or your previous stuff. They're going to know this t five minutes of what you're going to tell them. Yep. And and every time you meet with someone, like if you're pitching or or, or whatever, it, it really is a sales pitch that you're doing. And so it clarifies that marketing aspect as well. It's like, how can I, you know, super quickly get to the very point of what Plaza is doing and why it's special um, mm -hmm. and again raising money like made that happen whereas it 100% would have taken a long time without it because if you're just if you're bootstrapping you're just like, like okay how can I easily like most simply like message this and you put it out there and then and then you have to like wait for a customer to, to tell you I don't understand what this is or you have to like send an email blast to all your customers to like be like hey does this make sense like how are you going to do sales you're not like going and doing direct sales like when you're right. bootstrapping typically um, uh, but by raising money you are going and like essentially doing direct sales to individual customers if you will um, and explaining your business to them so it helps clarify that yeah so you recently raised what was it 1.2 million yeah just under um, is that a Series A? I mean, was that considered Series A? No, it's a seed round. So okay, was, that was your seed round. Yeah, okay. pure, purely angels. Uh, there was no VC money in there, um, which was which was great. Which is what I wanted to do. Um, yeah. So super fortunate to be able to do that. So it was a it was a very uh, fun experience in the sense that I knew going in, I have no idea what I'm doing, right. <laughs> and I've never done this before, and it's kind of fun thinking about the fact that okay, I'm confident in myself. I know I'll raise money. Um, and I know I'm going to get discouraged and feel like I'm not going to be able to raise money, but I know like at some point, I had no idea how long it would take to raise money, but at some point, um, all this will be done and I will like have this whole new base of knowledge to pull from. Right. Um, and knowing, you know, that it's only going to be like a few months at most or something like that is kind of exciting to like, it's, you kind of think of it, I kind of thought of it as like sitting in the matrix chair where they just like inject your, your brain with all the information real quick. It's, I was like it's kind of exciting to know that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. It's a different world. I mean, totally. I, I yeah. can imagine coming from bootstrapping, you know, 37 products to, you know, raising for your, your first time, even being a, a seasoned entrepreneur and, you know, changing business models and, and things like that coming into this. Um, I can yeah. It's different. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's definitely different. Um, but, uh, it's it's different in a good way. It makes you because the the VC world or and the investment world in general, they're not like they're not the product world. They're not like the entrepreneur world. They're like the the business dude world, right? Um, it's completely different what they are concerned with versus what like a a CEO is concerned with or like a right. So. They're more like the CFO, I guess. They're like more concerned with like the financials and like um, all that stuff. So when you actually go to raise money, if you are like me and you're not like a CFO, uh, it forces you to think that way. Um, and it's it's good though. Like um, thinking that way is like so incredibly necessary. Way more than I ever thought it was. And having that skill set is incredibly necessary to like have a successful business. Um, of course, there's always the uh, the getting lucky thing where you can have a successful business not because of what you did, but just because you're right place at right time. Right. But uh, that's not the case usually. So um, having that knowledge and that experience, um, come you know coming from like the numbers side and everything, uh, is super invaluable. Seaworthy is brought to you by Headway, a product-focused team for hire. Headway helps companies validate ideas, build out products, and grow through experimentation and technical execution. If you have an idea that you're looking to gain traction on, or a current product you're building that needs expertise with product design or development, check us out at headway.io and let's make waves.
said, you it was just you, you know, solo managing this. You had customer service. You had all of these other things to do. You wanted to get to certain features customers were asking to, but had to play like this balancing act and knew you wanted to scale this beyond you. Is that the first time you've had people involved that weren't partners? Uh, you mean with Plasso? Yeah, with Plasso. Yeah, yeah, that's the very first time. Yep. So um, up until then, up until I started uh, raising money, um, like every line of code, every pixel, every support email was just me mm-hmm. uh, throughout its whole history. But uh, once I raised money, the intention was to you know, hire a team and change all that. And so that is what happened, fortunately. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was able to raise money um, and I was able to hire a super killer team um, that um, I'm s- super fortunate to have. And we're pushing things really fast now. So uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's super great. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned it was from a lot of, uh, a lot of angels. How did you go around, uh, go about making those connections, introductions? Um, I'm assuming your name had a little bit uh, of reputation in some circles. I mean, most, you know, certainly a lot of people I talk to, even from this area, are familiar with you and yeah, your work. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunately that does not translate in any way to the uh, world of investors. So I I'm a complete unknown um, in their mind. So yeah. uh, and I knew that going in. I knew that going in because I know that I do not know any investors. Uh, uh, but what I did my buddy Alex McCaw. He's super cool. He runs Clearbit. Um, okay. He had just raised money right around the same time I was thinking about it. Um, so he was kind of telling me as he's going through it, all the things he's doing. Um, and he's a super smart guy and he was good enough to get me interest to his investors. And he, when he raised the seed round, he raised from SV Angel, first round and a bunch of other bigger companies. So when I moved to San Francisco and I was going to raise money, um, I was like, Hey, can you hook me up? He's like, yeah, sure. And so that was that was it. Like I had asked other people who you know worked with VCs or whatever, but no one else panned out, um, which is what I find a lot of people say they know investors, but they don't actually know them enough to like, if they say meet with this guy, they'll meet with them. Usually that only comes when either they're actual friends with them or they are an entrepreneur that you know has been invested in by them. Um, and in this that was the case of Alex. So he hooked me up with his investors. So when I was going to raise money. Um, I I didn't know at all what I was doing. And for some reason, I didn't even think to like make a, a real pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, you know, you see on Shark Tank, I thought, oh, it's a seed round. It's just going to be a casual conversation. Um, uh, and that was the case for, for one of the investors. Uh, that's all they wanted. They didn't want anything else. But everyone else wanted, you know, the real pitch. Um, and I did not have that at start. So my very first meeting with an investor like a VC was SV Angel, and then a, a, like a week later was first round, so like the two biggest. And I go in there not knowing anything, but fortunately I had had uh, some practice. The day before I met with SV Angel, I met with like a, a decently high-profile angel investor at his mansion, and he tore me apart for an hour and a half. It was the most oh, awkward, horrible conversation. Uh, lots of long pauses by me just staring at him and having no idea what to say, feeling terrible. <laughs> so after that, I realized, okay, things have got to change. I, I, need, a, I need a real pitch. Um, and uh, it's funny because I didn't even know I needed one going in. It's not like I was avoiding it. It's just I didn't even realize I needed one. Right. Um, and so I got one together. I met with SV Angel. And, um, and But still, I didn't understand a lot of the basics about how um, – not necessarily how to pitch, but just like the terminology behind investing. Right. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes in that they want to see that they expect you to know. Um, also, I didn't have all my numbers dialed in. I mean, I had numbers, like basic ones, but there was like a lot of detailed numbers they wanted. Um, mm. And I was like, no one's going to want that for a seed round. That's what some advice I was getting as well was saying, like, yeah, you're not going to need all that stuff for a seed round. But it was February 2016 when all those articles started coming out about saying like, hey, fundraise. Uh, funding is like totally changed like no one's putting money anywhere that that kind of thing so that's when I started was in February when all those articles started coming out and mm-hmm. so people were wanting to see a lot of metrics especially since I was already making money and I wasn't just an idea right. um, they needed everything from me 
Um, if I was just an idea, then obviously I have nothing to show and everything's just BS. Mm -hmm. But so yeah, I met with uh, SV Angel um, and First Round, and from there they had intro me to some other investors, um, and then also there was a few people that I knew um, that I was able to raise a little bit of money from, um, and then someone Jude Gumala, who's a cool guy, he had, he ran an ad platform that he sold for a lot of money. He had wanted me to be a designer for him years and years ago. He'd asked a few times. I always said no. And, um, and I hit him up. I'm like, Hey, I know you're in the Valley. I know you're like into angel investing. Like, would you want to hear about what I'm doing? He said, yeah. And so he hooked me up big time. He put me on his, um, his angelist syndicate after our okay. phone call. And so all the people that follow him on angelist can invest into his syndicate. And then it just ends up being like one, uh, one person on my cap table. So, um, right. his company goes on there. And so I raised some money through him. Um, uh, and that was other than the, the small stuff I was able to get on my own. Um, his was, uh, like the first large amount of money I got. Um, it was about like, uh, almost 300,000. And then, um, and then I pitched a ton and, uh, everyone gave me a no for the same reason, which was, what if one of the big players does this? I'm like, well, they haven't for like a decade or more. So, <laughs> I mean, right. it's of course, what if, you know, but, uh, but everyone who said yes said yes for the same reason, which was, oh, wow, no one's doing this. This is a great opportunity. Um, and so it was probably, so from when I first started raising um, until I closed my round, it was five months. And so it was crickets for me uh, in between uh, like month after the, like the first month uh, up in, you know, for four months, it was like crickets. Wow. Uh, and it was, it was difficult uh, as an entrepreneur to try to raise money. I mean, I had tons of meetings, uh, lots of things almost happened, but nothing fully panned out until I sent out an investor update. And one of my previous investors who I'd never actually met because they were in the angel syndicate, you don't get to see who those people are really. Mm -hmm. Um, they're like, Oh wow, this is an amazing update. Like we want to give you more money. Do you want to take another 500,000? Like, yes. <laughs> yes. So they're like, and Oh, by the way, we'll get our, our buddies to put in another 300. Uh, or, or more. And so from that initial investor update email to them emailing back for the first time, me ever hearing from them to them actually putting money in my account was less than 24 hours. Oh, and wow. so it was like angels, angels, are you, are you quickest... selling this investor update? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was angelist quickest, uh, transaction ever. Um, oh, that's awesome. Which was cool to hear from them. Um, and then, so then his, their buddies, uh, put in some money. Um, so at that point I was like, all right, I'm done. Um, and, uh, ended up raising, like I said, just under two point or 1.2 million. Um, was that your goal or? Yeah. Roundabouts, my goal is like 1.5. So gotcha. Um, it was close yeah, enough. You said, you said, I'm good. Let's get back to work. Let's get back to work. Yep. So, um, yeah. So then, uh, then I was able to, uh, bring on some more people onto the team. Um, because with that initial 300, I brought on a few people right away, uh, and then I brought on some more people, and yeah, and the rest is Plasso history. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's cool. The fastest turnaround in Angelus history. Put that in. Yeah, sure. man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you know, kind of thrown into the lines den here. You had to iterate pretty quickly on uh, on your pitch and um, kind of where you're going. But yeah, tons what, of iteration. Like in the in lift in lift rides to the city back and from from my house, I'd be like on my computer, like changing slides all the time. So, <laughs> what advice would you give uh, to people, entrepreneurs, makers, whatever, looking to raise for the first time? I would definitely suggest um, just because of my background as like a bootstrapper. I would definitely suggest that if you're going to raise money, um, that you test the business yourself first mm -hmm. uh, and you build it yourself and you try it out yourself and um, you see if it works. Uh, for me, it's like a big deal to take someone else's money. I don't feel like I'm raising from investors. I feel like I'm taking someone else's money for sure. and, and it's typically not the case. Whereas people expect to be given money and if I'm not given money, I'm not going to try this idea. Right. Mm -hmm. Where, I think if you take on a lot of the risk yourself, it'll teach you so much and make you such a better 
CEO or whatever you end up being after you raise money. Um, it'll make you so much better at knowing how to run a company and how to make sure that you have enough money, all that kind of stuff. If right. you do and it all important. yourself first, yeah, if your life is on the line, um, you're going to act differently. Um, and if you can do that enough before you go raise money, you'll be a lot better at managing the money that you raise. Um, so I would suggest that if you're going to go raise money that you build it all yourself first, try to make some money first. If you're making money, it's a lot easier to raise money. If I was not making money, there's no way that I would have gotten an investment in Plasso. Um, and because I was making money, I was, I was able to do that. So I would suggest, I would suggest you try to get it to like 10 to 20,000 per month before you go raise money. Yeah. Well, and that's going to give you way better terms too. Oh yeah. Yeah. You got to earn it, but it'll give you better terms. Yeah, for sure. So you, you mentioned adding, you know, new people to the team. How big is your team now? There are eight of us. Yeah. Remote team. Um, some of us are here located in San Diego, but, um, some two of them are in London, uh, three of them up in the Pacific Northwest. And one just moved from San Diego to Boulder. Yeah, it sounds like a good, a good displacement. So, what is uh, London from California? Is that eight hours? Yeah, it's like eight or nine hours. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. How does how does that work out with the team? Yeah, so we have like a weekly meeting that we do on Mondays, and we do that at ten a.m., which ends up being like six p.m. Uh, London. Standard time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, it works out okay for them. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so you guys are mainly meeting once a week other than like as a team, I guess. Yeah. We, we, we meet as a team once a week. Um, and then uh, we're on Slack like all day as well, talking with each other, doing, you know, meetings back and forth, you know, with individuals or whatnot, if we need yeah. to like on demand kind of stuff. But the only like for scheduled sure. meeting that we have is, is on Mondays. Gotcha. So do you guys do any like Agile Scrum, um, Kanban type of flow to prioritize what you guys are doing that week or that sprint? Or is it more uh, or what's the kind of makeup there to, to manage like what you guys are doing and prioritize? Yeah. Yeah. So we have um, uh, we don't do anything like that at all. Uh, we just um, <laughs> I mean, Things are going to be changing here pretty soon. We were using GitHub issues to handle stuff, but um, mm -hmm. there's so much stuff to work on and so many things popping up all the time. It doesn't make sense for us to have any like like set in stone scheduled like get this done first kind of thing um, mm -hmm. right now. Like I've always been reactive. Like when I'm like building products and like making sure I'm like putting out the hottest fires, you know. Um, yep. And so that still is the case. Um, well, I so, think that, yeah, that's, that's part of being agile for sure is being able to <laughs> reprioritize, you know, this over that. Yep, exactly. So basically what we do is, um, all of us are super familiar with like the different products we're building and what, what needs to happen in order to get there. And so we're all kind of like working on those things and, and typically, um, people work on things on their own. So in the sense of like, Hey, we need to build this system. Um, so just go do that system, and that person will just go do that system all by their lonesome. Um, and then when that's done, hey, it's done. So there's like I, the designers that I hired both are developers as well. Mm -hmm. So um, pretty much everyone on the team is a developer, uh, and so we all um, will go do our own things, and then merge those things into the master branch, and then yay, we're done. So we get actually a lot of different things done at one time even for being a small team, which is fantastic. Um, and so we've spent actually a lot of time uh, before we did our relaunch uh, last week, uh, since raising money, we spent a lot of time working on the infrastructure side of things. So that way we can launch often and early, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. um, to get that all out of the way before we started taking on a new influx of customers and, and really pushing uh, the platform and from a marketing perspective. So that way we don't have to um, take a stand back from like, product or bug development and and work on infrastructure we tried to get that all done up front right yeah with the launch um did you guys get a lot of new customers signing up i mean i think you guys did pretty well on product hunt if i remember yeah did did super great there yeah um what's great about plasto it's been 100 percent word of mouth um and still is i mean we've never actually 
paid for any advertising or anything like that yet. Uh, like I said, never did even a drip of marketing. Um, didn't even have an email list, for heaven's sakes, until we relaunched. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> none of that stuff. Um, and it's just all grown word of mouth. Um, and so with the relaunch, we got a bunch of new customers. Uh, we have an email list now, which surprisingly a ton of people have signed up to. Um, and uh, yeah, so going forward, a lot of this stuff's going to change, and, and hopefully we'll be able to grow uh, the uh, user signups even more. But yeah, they've they've like probably by the end of this month, it'll have gone up by like five times. So that's really good. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, are there any tools that you guys use that you couldn't live without? Um, probably Slack. Like that's the tool that we use. I mean. It's a close tie between Slack and GitHub. I mean, I would say that we could run. If we didn't have GitHub, we couldn't run. If we didn't have Slack, we could maybe do it through GitHub. But um, right. yeah, those two are the keystones. For sure. And, and I recently visited GitHub and found out that I actually signed up like the month they launched. So huh. I didn't realize how OG I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you start. What year did they launch? Or, uh, um, I have to look. I think I'm gonna say. Actually, let me just let me just look before I lie to you. I think it was 2007. Oh, yeah, 2007. I think, or no, 2008. Yeah. Boom. Huh. Eight years ago. Yeah, that's cool. That really changed uh, <laughs> the landscape of development. I would say. Yes, it did. Um. Cool. Well, yeah, I mean, I appreciate all the insights and, and everything. Um, there's also a book that Drew was part of, if you're fortunate enough to have a copy. I'm looking on Amazon right now, and it's uh, $200 a piece. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's kind of crazy. Two ninety five for one. I mean, I have one in the office here. I'm you know thinking about trading it in, but... <laughs> <laughs> you should do it, dude. Go buy yourself an iPod or something instead. Uh, right, yeah. Um, where can people find you, Drew, and follow along with, with you and Plasso? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, at Drew Wilson. You can find Plasso on Twitter, at PayWithPlasso. We're also on Instagram, YouTube, and uh, Facebook, um, so you can see us there. Uh, but you can you can go to the website, Plasso.com, P-L-A-S-S-O. Um, you can also go to my site, DrewWilson.com. Um, that is where you can find us. Perfect. Well, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, super, it was a good time. Super good to chat with you. Likewise. All right. Take care. Later. Thanks for listening to Seaworthy. Connect with us and ask questions on Twitter at SeaworthyFM. Make sure you subscribe, and if you enjoyed it, leave a review on iTunes. Sail forth and make waves.